We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. All right, folks. Welcome to Mavs Moneyball Group Therapy. This is Kirk Henderson. I'm coming to you live on the locker room map for those listening to the podcast. Josh Bow and I just finished recording. Uh, We had a really nice time because that was a really nice win. Uh, For those who didn't follow the game too closely, the Dallas Mavericks showed up looking not entirely awake. And the Miami Heat hit eight of nine threes. But the Mavericks managed to kind of close the gap to kind of figure things out after giving up 39 points in the first uh, quarter. Then in the second uh, the second quarter, the Mavericks made uh, what ended up being a monumental turn of events, and they inserted rookie Josh Green into the lineup, who provided a pretty preposterously awesome spark, uh, doing a lot of little things, rebounding, uh, just like moving, like playing hard. It was kind of wild. And the Mavericks just sort of blew the heat right off the floor. Uh, in the second half, uh, Josh Green actually started with Josh Richardson going to the bench and the Mavericks continued to really just pour it on Miami. And then in the third, uh, which was so effective that in the fourth quarter, Luka Doncic didn't have to play a single minute. And the Mavericks ended up running away from uh, with the game one. I think it was one twenty-seven to one thirteen, something like that. Yeah, it's really good. Um, so why don't you guys get your thoughts ready? Come up on stage here, talk about it a little bit. Talk about what your feelings are. Let's wildly overreact to every aspect of this game because that's what we're here for. Uh, so coming up first, I have Brandon. Brandon, what's up? Hey, Kurt, can you hear me? I can hear you. I'm. I, I need to figure out how AirPods work. 
This is this is just <laughs> such an old person problem. I can't hear anything. It's very alarming. I must have like the noise cancellation on. Whatever. Uh, but yeah, what's going on? <laughs> oh, I'm so excited for this. I've been. Uh, I've actually asked you about Josh Green on this uh, locker room before, and the glimpses that he's given. Um, I mean, it was so, so nice to see him finally, first of all, I mean, Carlisle just giving him more than like four minutes at a time, mm-hmm. but see him, you know, obviously he, every time he comes in, like, I feel like he always gets like w- at least one offensive rebound and he makes like one pass that pretty much anybody outside of Luca can't make. I mean, is it crazy to say that he's the second best passer on this team? I know that's a very low bar to clear. I'm not sure I like it. I like the thought because one thing I will say about most of the roster is that passing is a last resort option. (laughs) And it doesn't feel that way with him, where if you're playing in kind of the flow, he's so uh, uh, just, he, he, I don't know, I've yet to get a sense for what he's going to do with the ball, which is probably how opposing defenses feel. Yeah, I mean, he he definitely keeps the ball moving. Harp even said on the uh, on the broadcast tonight, almost to his detriment, because sometimes he just needs to look for a shot a little bit more. But um, no, I mean, it it was so nice to see him make those same flashes, and obviously for an entire quarter and plus, you know, whenever he came out in the second half. But also to not have nearly as many. I can't really even think of some of this dumb rookie stuff. You know, some of the super dumb fouls and just the really awkward around the rim stuff that he's had so far. I mean, he looked like he belonged on an NBA court the entire time to me. And I'm hoping that first of all, that just carries, gives him confidence for the rest of the season and maybe gives Rick some confidence in him to actually play him and let him work everything out on the court. Cause I feel like part of the problem is he's just had such a short leash and it's just kind of like a never ending spiral. Sure, sure. And and the Heat were a good team to play him against because they were playing without multiple parts of their normal lineup. Um, you know, Jimmy Butler not being in the game was obviously pretty impactful as things wore down. But oh, for sure. It, it, it was just good to see him go without getting yanked. Uh, and I'm not, you know, there's only, I don't know how many games are left, guys, what, seven, eight? It's the sort of thing where he's like just just being honest, he's not likely to play in a game that feels as meaningful as that one for the rest of the year. Like he'll probably play in the Cavs games, but if the Mavericks lose to the Cavs, we just have all sorts of different problems that don't involve <laughs> yeah. Josh Green, you know? Um, so that that's just kind of in my head at the moment. And but at the same time, it's it's something to build off of. Uh it, it just it makes me think really and this is what a lot of you guys have talked about for for ages uh bibs has talked about this on on you know mavs outsiders and some of the other things where it's just you know what if you gave some of those minutes earlier i i that's something i'm going to think about for a long time because like what's the point of having like 17 guys in the roster if you're not going to play them and with carl just kind of opted not to um <laughs> it's it's a little <laughs> It's a little frustrating, but you know this. This is where we are now, and and more than anything, I I just I I want to be glad. And then the the kind of tertiary benefit was all of a sudden Josh Josh Richardson looked like a damn basketball player. 
Um, oh, and, yeah. And Jason's in the chat saying, I don't get this take. They weren't ready, or what What? What has made them more ready, Jason? You're going to have to explain that when you come up on stage. Like, they haven't practiced. Like, they haven't gotten any time together. Sometimes you just need to be able to play four to five minutes twice a game to be able to do it. And when you look at these guys' game logs, they get three minutes at the very end with Boban. Like, there's no meaningful minutes. And, you know, watching Josh Richardson stumble around for more than a month has been very confusing to me because the man's just in quicksand. And I would, I was the last one really to, to assume that he would have, you know, I mean, this was the first game since March, tw- or no, the Utah game on, on April 5th. And then there was a game on March 21st. This was the only other game since then where Richardson has shot above 50% from the floor. <laughs> and it was just, oh it, it was, this was kind of a, a get right game for a few guys. Like, you know, Luca was out of his mind and we're probably like, he's probably like the fifth most interesting thing to happen in this game, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, what was it? 36 points from Tim Hardaway almost broke the team record for three pointers in a game. Mm -hmm. And the first thing, you know, the title of this, everybody's talking about Josh Green. (laughs) So Yeah. yeah, I'm delighted. Well, you got anything else, Brandon? So I'm going to cycle through some folks. Yeah, just uh, – um, I'm curious. I mean, this this is just the pure overreaction in me right now. But, I mean, since he did it at halftime, I'm very curious to see if Rick might test this Josh Green over Josh Richardson to at least start halves uh, in the future. I mean, I – I sort of wish that Green would get the chance to start and if he fumbles around and looks like an idiot, he can't be any worse than some of the starts the Mavericks have gotten off to for like a month and a half now. Like when I, I was driving home from getting takeout and I look at my phone at a stoplight and it's 14 to three. And I'm just like, what are these guys doing? <laughs> so I'm not seeing how they can get off on any worse starts. I do doubt he changes it, though. Um, there, I still am, I'm kind of addicted to my confidence take with Josh Richardson, where it's just, there's gotta be, they're trying to get him to play through the muck. Um, Josh Bow and I on the podcast tonight said that like, I, I just can't help but feel that there's a, a, reg- like a positive regression coming for Josh Green. And hopefully it would come at like a really, I or not Josh Green, Josh Richardson, uh, that it would come at like, oh, hey, we're playing the, the Clippers in the first round. And all of a sudden, Josh, Josh Richardson has hit four out of five threes in the, you know, through three quarters in game one. And the and the Clippers don't know what to do. Like, that's where my brain is. But, you know, we'll see. Yeah, that would be ideal, because if it happens in the playoffs instead of maybe like right before the playoffs, uh, it's more likely that you know, somebody would overpay for him and he could, uh, you know, maybe opt out instead of opting in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for hanging out. Yep. Thanks. Okay. Well, until Jason gets his uh, audio figured out, I'm going to bring up Ike. Ike, how are you? I'm good, Kirk. How you doing tonight? You know, pretty well, pretty well, reasonably early start time to the game. The game finished. Now I'm here talking to you guys well before midnight. Always a plus. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you still think Josh Green sucks? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, I I, I will couch it in that, and this is something Josh Bo talked about on our podcast, where he said, do you remember, 
is bringing up some of the early days of Jay Crowder, where Jay Crowder would have like wild plus minus stats, but never yeah. really do much statistically. And his right. energy was was just it mattered to those to those Mavericks his his early his early year and then a couple of months with the Mavericks. And I think that Josh Green, if they can minimize his weaknesses, which frankly is like experience, really. Like his defensive energy is great. His offensive energy is um, like I would qualify as like chaotic good. Uh, but Rick doesn't like chaos. Uh, I just want them to see him. I just want to see him get a few minutes a game with guys that are way better than him. So all he has to do is play hard. Because when he yeah. plays hard, good things happen. Like that's that's sort of it. Like his shot is busted. And I think we're just going to be here for a while. But Dorian Finney-Smith's shot was busted for like three years. And now he's probably like the third most important Maverick. So, you know, there's a foundation there. It is fun to see him because he is huge. Like Josh Green is huge. Like the Cowboys would love to have him. He's just such a big guy. <laughs> so I, I, so, so my, my take is, is yes, he, he might still suck, but it doesn't matter if the Mavericks, you know, team teams are built by, by surrounding guys, uh, uh, you know, minimizing weaknesses and accentuating strengths. Yeah, I guess I guess I won't go as far to say that he sucks because you know when it came time for the draft, I was actually hoping the Mavs would draft him Ooh. just because of his athletic profile. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I was in the Josh Green camp, but I would just say he's underdeveloped, and a context means everything. And I mean, he's one of the rookies that actually needed like an actual like legitimate preseason and sure. as far as sure. summer league and the you know pre um uh, uh camp uh pre-camp you know before the season start and stuff like that and you can just tell so you know i, I kind of keep that in context as far no, as you're right he's, yeah he's like a deer with headlights out there but you know his energy and in, in defensive intensity. I mean, it's it's truly a value on this team because this team, our team, too, oftentimes they just sleepwalk to begin the game and dig themselves an unnecessary hole. Whereas you know he can come in and and you know, what do they say? You know that type of energy and effort that um, you can bring on the court, it can be infectious. And you kind of saw the uh, the byproduct of that today. Yeah, yeah, and. It's been something like I'm sure Christian will come up here later and want to talk about this because it's it's just the thing that I've not like a lot of a lot of fans will lay it at Carlisle and I understand why and say ah oh, it's up to Carlisle to get these guys to motivated but it's you know he can't make them play and and some of these guys are right. just not built to go 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 and I really like seeing it's kind of why I'm like like more and more leaning into the idea of Lonzo Ball because like Luca needs someone else to push the ball on his behalf. I don't know. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. What else we got? Oh, that's it, man. I'm 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 not going to be a Debbie Downer tonight. We won. <laughs> I, mean, I can we always won. I think we're in what seat are we? We won. Not even checked. Let's see we're here. We're fifth now. See fifth. Fifth is where we yeah. want to be. Fifth makes me happy. Makes my Laker friend, Laker fan friends upset, and that is really one of the things I live for. Absolutely. I mean, I wanted to kind of come on here and cuss about Trevor Ariza, but I'll bite my tongue. That's all I have, man. <laughs> well, I appreciate you coming up. All right, coming up next, Team Josh, Josh McSwag. How are we, Josh? <laughs> Good, Kirk. 
Long time listener. I don't think I've actually talked to you on your pod before. Why not? Uh, Yeah, thanks for joining. Yeah, you know why I'm here, though. I do. Speak (laughs) your piece. I'm I'm here to collect apologies, um, (laughs) because I'm vindicated. (laughs) I I I I for one love one game sample sizes. I'm a big (laughs) big fan of it. I'm not letting you off the hook with that. No, no, no. (laughs) For the past for for the past couple months, I was telling anybody who would listen, or even those who wouldn't, that Josh Green should be playing more, and specifically he should be taking Richardson's minutes. I've been saying that literally since February. I have the receipts. And you and Josh Bowe said I was crazy. You said he's a zero in offense and I quote, unplayable. You said he was unplayable to me. Now, just because he can't knock down a corner three doesn't mean he doesn't have value. Sure. I feel like like we forget that sports is like, so much of sports is just effort. And say whatever you want about Josh Green's offense, but playing hard fucking matters. It does. And I feel like Green's value is that he's our best effort player, like bar none. Well, I think there's, I think there's a lot to it. I, I, I mentioned it talking, talking just a second ago, where I feel that more than anything, there's not. He doesn't act. I'm trying to think how to phrase this right. There's not a lot of guys like where I feel like that when they play, it's actively harmful, <laughs> and like playing hard is rarely going to result in, in actively harmful stuff. Uh, you know, the Mavericks have a bunch of smart guys. Their schemes are set up a certain way. It's not like Green's going to get in the position to, like, have, like, three live ball turnovers in a row or anything like that. So I do I, I do think that he probably should have been playing a little bit. Um, because, I mean, if you go back and look at the box scores from, like, February 1st on, even though the Mavericks have been winning a lot of those games, they're also playing, like, seven- to eight-man rotations. And that's why – some of these guys are just so ground down. And I think that's going to be a little bit of an opportunity cost. Um, I don't entirely understand why Rick has been so hard on him. I don't, nothing comes to mind that, that explains why he wasn't playing past the fact that he, he just like that floater layup he had tonight was so awesome. Well, but how many times have we seen him shoot the ball in the crease between the <laughs> rim and the basket? Like well, how about- he has no touch. <laughs> No, uh, no, I'm not. I'm not even going to debate that. But did you see that pass that Luca? He he tossed it to him, uh, he, and and Josh Green was cutting along the baseline, and the and the pass was about two feet over Josh Green's head and, and about a foot out of bounds. So he had to leap out of bounds, catch the ball, and then he fired it straight to JJ Redick for a while. That was a good court. one. Like that was incredible. Like yeah, that that was incredible. Now Redick, of course, bricked the three that would have given Josh Green an incredible assist, but. It's just stuff like that and that levitating floater that he had. Like, there's just things this guy does that that don't show up in the box score that shows up when you watch the game. Sure, sure. And and they need that. The, it's just it increased. I mean, the Mavericks were in a bit of a were were just kind of in the mud until he got in the game, and it was it was nice to see him figure some things out. I don't know if it means anything for this year. I do think. Josh Bo and I talked on the post game podcast kind of about how maybe it would be something if um if he gets to to if Luca gets to play with more athletes. Uh the the lineup tonight this was says Hardaway, Powell, Finney Smith, Luca and Green played 12 minutes um and they were 14 of 20 from the floor and were a plus 18. Um, and granted small sample, but there was just like, there's a lot going on with that lineup. It wasn't pre, you know, 
kind of with, with a lot of the lineups that the Mavs have had to date, you, you know what's going to happen. Luka's going to walk the ball up the floor. There's going to be a high screen roll. There's going to be either a trap on Luka, so he passes. Like with those guys, like Green took one of the rebounds, and Luka didn't make it past half court because Green just kind of ran and then flipped it back to, to Hardaway for a three. And the Mavs need more of that. They need to play with more pace. Um, yeah. And, and the energy kind of begets pace for me. Yeah. Well, that's all I really want to say. I don't want to take up any more time. I'll see if Jason fixes Mike so we can talk about Richardson Island if it's still there. Um, sure. But th- thanks again, Kirk, and uh, play Josh Green. Oh, thanks for coming up, Josh. Okay, we will try Matt. Hey, Matt. Matt, you can't have audio problems, too. Unmute. I don't. I'm good. Sorry. <laughs> I have a fat finger. I'm just teasing. I can't have my can't have my favorite callers not being able to talk. It's no fun. Okay, um, so one of the things on the Josh Green, I mentioned this a little bit earlier with Dalton, uh, playmaking can serve as a substitute for shooting. And as an example of this, I will give you Draymond Green, who is shooting 25% on 2.33s for 36 minutes this year. But the Warriors offense is 10 points per 100 possessions better with him on the court than off the court. Contextualize that for me a little bit. Say that again. So- I'm trying to process it while reading the comments in the chat. What I am saying is is that if you can play make, if you can pass, which I believe Josh Green, like we joke about it, and it's kind of halfway a joke and halfway true at this point, that I really do think he's the second best passer on this team. There are only so many threes that a team can take. And as much as we love to talk about five out and everything, if you only have one guy that doesn't shoot, then it's fine, especially if that guy can pass. So Josh Green may not be a guy that can shoot, but like there are several possessions today where he got the ball and then he moves it along to another guy who can shoot, who gets a better look. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that's that's a lot of what Draymond does, is Draymond turns down open shot after open shot after open shot. But because of how well he passes and attacks creases and things, which even if teams know – it's weird because even if teams know you won't score, as a basketball player, you're so conditioned that if a guy starts penetrating, you go to help. And so that's where you end up – the spacing works similarly to if you could actually shoot – Hmm. Well, the ball doesn't stick with him at all, and the Mavericks have a problem with that between their two primary ball handlers with Luka and Brunson. And, yes. and there's there's obviously something to that. You're correct. I'm just I'm really trying to think about what that means for the Mavericks going forward because I think the team, as we've seen them, is kind of who they are. Like I just don't. I don't think Green's going to get to play anymore. Like, it, it, Rick is who he is. He, he might get five spot minutes here and there, and maybe that's enough to make an impact, but I just don't see Rick, like, really altering his rotation. I think they're playing to get KP back, and then I think they're going to play a certain way, and they're going to figure it out in the playoffs, and then maybe the offseason is the time to speed it up. But I just can't help but think of, you know, uh, there was an article on Mavs Moneyball by our guy Ben talking about Luca's usage rate and just how it's, pretty preposterous and I, I i just i've been thinking for days about ways that the mavericks should try to get the ball out of his hands and the ball needs to be moving more and more and the warriors are kind of a good because they just play such a different style of basketball than the rest of the league if there's things that the mavericks can steal from that where the ball doesn't stick in one guy's hands because it's i see what you mean though about it being a substitute for shooting because the defense is off kilter uh when he would drive that didn't seem like something they were expecting 
Yeah. And so, and part of it, um, too, I've mentioned this earlier and have gotten some pushback. I think his ceiling is Golden State Andre Iguodala. I think that is a good thing for him to shoot for. He was also not a great shooter. And before everyone goes nuts on that, Iguodala and Golden State averaged seven points, four rebounds, and three assists. So it's not like he was doing as much stuff as everyone thinks he was. Oh, sure. Like he was a stack stuffer. Yeah. Yeah, he was just, but he was an extremely good defender. He was a really good ball ball mover and secondary playmaker. He was he's built actually a lot like Green in that he is a guard that's not really that big, like as far as height wise, like he's six five six six, but just barrel chested and large and yeah. extremely strong. And I think, like, I really do think that is the goal for him. Uh, also, to incorporate the entire Josh Green experience. Uh, it amuses me to watch the things that he just doesn't know how to do that regular NBA players do. And he's the first player in the history of basketball that I've ever seen take a jump ball with his left foot forward, his shoulders completely square, and then try to win the jump ball with his right hand. Oh, my my wife looked up and goes, oh, no, he just lost a, he just lost the, the jump ball to the law school student. Yeah, because he did it the wrong way. I've never seen anyone put their left foot forward and try to win the jump ball with their right hand. Yeah, that's was, that's... Um, that was amazing. I didn't actually see the way he was standing because I wasn't. I didn't have a ton to do at the game tonight, so I was like eating Chipotle and like playing on the internet. I probably should have been paying more attention to that possession, but that's that's pretty incredible. Another thing that I think that this game, um, the start was not good, but one of the things that we really used as the uh, delineating points last year was when KP went to center. But I actually think one of the important things that with that is it's also when Dorian Finney-Smith went to power forward. Which mm. this is one of the first times this year that we've done that, and I know the start was bad, but I just the the offense moves so much better when he's at power forward because he moves, he tries to get rebounds occasionally, like he does the little rim running thing, and when he's shooting like he has been lately and like he did last year, it's just everything everything works so much better, and I mean, I, I really like Maxi, and I understand for certain matchups why Maxi makes sense. And Maxi may even make sense as center, depending on certain things. But the Maxi, when he's a power forward, he stands somewhere. He doesn't do a lot of moving. Yeah, he doesn't move. And I mean, I, I like uh, Christian's buzzwords. Energy. My my buzzword is dynamic. Like sure. it just makes us more dynamic whenever Dorian's at power forward because he moves. He cuts to the rim. He cuts. Maxi stands wherever he is going to stand, and that's it. That's all he's doing. Yep. Yep. Agree with that entirely. Man, we got a full room tonight. You guys must like talking about the beating the heat um you got anything else for us this evening matt uh no that's pretty much it it was a great game a lot of fun yeah uh it was good not to lose to the one random player being super hot i was true. freaking out a little bit when trevor made like five of his first six threes yeah very very but, not cool hello. like Glad I, we won. yeah well thanks for joining all right coming up next we have christian hey christian Hey, what's up, Kirk? How you doing? I'm all right, man. Trying to multitask while we're while we're doing here, doing some editing on the Mavs and Moneyball, doing some uh, talking to you guys. So what's going on? No, I was going to pretend I couldn't talk, so you had to sit there and think another person went down to the Almighty app. But well, um, yeah, the app's been having some uh, some problems lately. Yeah, it kicked <laughs> me out of the like I joined, listened for two minutes, and it kicked me out all of a sudden. So it, yeah, it's been funky. Um, but I was just going to say I a few things that I noticed were uh, I thought the switching on defense from the second quarter on looked really good. Um, so that was exciting. 
And I think getting back to one of the main points that we've been kind of talking about, I mean, Josh Green really had an impact on this game that, you know, the box store doesn't really uh, give the full picture. But I think, you know, between uh, some of the passes he made, I know Josh uh, mentioned the pass where he, you know, threw it to Reddick out in the corner. That was fantastic. But I think uh, this game kind of gave me hope long term because when you really think about it, no, uh, no summer league, um, you know, no real offseason. It's been condensed, so no real practice. On top of that, even his one year in college, he, uh, you know, it was interrupted by COVID and things like that. So I think um, he still has a lot of developing to do. And if he can even, I think it was Matt that mentioned Iguodala, if he could even be come close to that, I think that's going to be a huge asset for the team. Um, and I saw your tweet and it made me think about it. I, I you know, Josh Richardson did look. Uh, quite a bit better effectively being a bench player. So do you think that's something Rick might entertain? I would hope so. I doubt it. (laughs) Like Rick has this tendency and I can't prove any of this. And we're now half an hour through this, but I do know for a fact that he actually reads a lot of the things that are put out about the team. And they have data coming in from all over the place. They have these, you know, they they have a a crack analytics staff. And and sometimes I just wonder if it's Carl getting hit from multiple angles about about a piece of information. I know for a fact, if you read uh, Bob Bob Sturm's book, This Year Will Be Different, about the 2010-2011 Dallas Mavericks, the Mavericks finally started stop shooting 15-foot jumpers at, like, around like game 70 of the regular season and started taking threes and then they mowed through everyone in the playoffs where it took 70 games for for the analytics staff to get through to him and then the team about stop taking these open 15 foot jumpers and take the 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 shot that's a few feet back and so some things sometimes with rick it's just he knows but he wants to give things long enough to play out and it it, to me, it always feels like he he stays with or against something a few games longer than necessary, as if to try to prove a point. And maybe with Richardson, this was this was the thing because he's he's just not been good. So I would like to hope that this was the thing, but I just I it's going to take me a couple of games, and you know maybe we'll be able to look back in hindsight and say this was the time. But it's just it's hard for me to believe, you know. Yeah, I agree. I I just. He seemed, and, you know, I think a lot of us had mentioned this, like, obviously, when you're on the, you're a bench player and part of the second unit, when you go against their bench players, you know, he's going to have a more likelihood to actually do well. And I just think it, it was kind of funny to me, like, Josh Green is, just has such crazy jumps that like that ball that went out of bounds it's like he's in the air for five seconds and he has good enough vision to like almost like a quarterback make his reads to find the open guy mm-hmm. um and it you know I, I just think right away he's already a good defender he showed he's a solid passer and i think you know we all remember uh dodo's early years 
um, and a lot of others to where it, it's promising. He has the defensive side uh, down pretty well. His passing's well. He just needs to stop dribbling like he's wondering if Rick's going to pull him any second for any little mistake and, uh, you know, fix that jumper. And I think uh, we could be in a good position. But all in all, good to see the, you know, make the trademark announcement that from the second quarter on, the energy was up. Um, and then, uh, you know, we're the fifth seed. So not much to complain. Let's just hope uh, they can catch some momentum. And, my God, hopefully Tim stays like this with his family in attendance for every game and he could keep this streak going into the playoffs because when he's on like he has been lately, uh, we're a hard team to beat. They are. Did you see that in the past two starts? He's at forty-two and thirty-six, <laughs> and that's just that's just crazy. I, I, it's it's so fun to watch him when he's on because it's just like like the ultimate. It's like watching a guy on a poker heater. It's just incredible. Um, all right. Well, thank you for hanging out. You got anything else? No, appreciate it, Kirk. And uh, you know, as always, and today's episode is brought to you by Cars. dot com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. That's right. That's right. All right. Coming up next, we have, man, we got a lot of people asked to come up. Jack. What's up, Jack? Hey, how's it going? It's good. Um, I just think that Josh Richardson played great. I know uh, we've been talking a lot about him, but I think he played great. Um, I have two other things. One, probably ridiculous. Another one, I think, is a valid complaint. Um, but the first one is basically just like, I think the last couple of games, considering how Josh Green has played and considering how poorly Melly has played and knowing that Kleba might be gone for the last, you know, they could sit him out longer than just two to three games. I'm just wondering if they could rotate in Bay, uh, probably not going to happen. Um, because I think when Josh is playing with Luca, um, he plays much better. And I would just sure. be interested to see how Bay looks alongside Luca because they are playing Melly when Luca is in. Um, and then the second thing is that uh, we were really lucky that the Heat stopped hitting threes because Luca had seven horrendous turnovers. Yeah, that I was just thinking like these are totally going to come back to bite us yep, because me too. he was. I mean, like, the Heat did it, you know, a good scheme where they doubled him and forced him to kind of, like, the more of, like, top, uh, right of the key or left of the key and kind of towards the, the sideline. But he, I mean, like, if, if we're going to consider him as a top-five player, he has to be able to have some sort of composure in those types of situation. And, like, he's played the Heat, you know, six times now, I think, maybe even more, and they've done this every single time. Like, he knows what's coming. And he just, I mean, maybe that has something to do with not having another secondary ball handler. But it like, does. These, jump, these jump passes are just, I mean, like, it would, it would be so easy to have someone just run 
to the top of the top of the key and, and kind of help them out, like have, have Willie or Dwight go there. And because they were kind of breaking it towards, you know, maybe like the, the second or third quarter, but he was just throwing way too many. And I, I was just getting really frustrated with that. Well, so, so one thing you'll notice with Luca is that he rarely makes the same mistake from quarter to quarter. And he, I can't remember which side it was. Is talk Franco showed me it a couple weeks ago. Luca gets doubled on more possessions than any player in the league. And the difference between like him and the fifth most important or the fifth most doubled guy is kind of a chasm. Like it's really the only thing that defenses can do to stop him at this point in his career. Um, because it's asking him to both make the right decision and also the teammate on the receiving end, make the right decision. And the Mavericks, it's, it's like a strong argument for, for like, Mavericks finding a not only a secondary ball handler but also like a role man who knows what he's doing like when Luca throws it to Willie Cauley Stein in the middle of the lane and if it's not above the rim it feels like it's a turnover waiting to happen and and that's just it, it's you know you're asking you're asking a, a big man on a high screen roll to make the right decision and that's hard these guys aren't trained to do that it just it's, it's not what big guys are, are taught to do that it's it's a hard skill to learn Powell is often great about going to the right spot on the floor but the, the ones that were frustrating to me were the ones that happened off of made heat baskets. Um, there's one right at the end of the first half, and it was Shock Josh Green. Or the eight-second violation? Uh, that was on Jalen Brunson and Josh Richardson. Thank goodness the legal wasn't in. That one was a different kind of Maverick stupid. But the, there was one right at the end of the half where he, like Josh Green came up to him afterwards and was like, sorry, my bad, because he went to the wrong he, – he basically was implying that he went to the wrong spot on the floor. But I know exactly what you're talking about because it's sometimes it's like Luca invites the double to try to throw a heart like to to see if he can get away with a cooler pass. And yeah, and this, he, I, it was, I was glad that they that it didn't kill them. Yeah, I mean, I don't even think. I mean, I'm sure like the a ball handler would be good, but I mean, like it's literally like Tim or Josh is just standing on the other side, like of the court, like on the other side of the sideline. Um, at half court, like expecting Luca to do something, and I just mm-hmm. like they they need to be moving. Uh, it just it's just ridiculous to me. Like, and then he tries like those like crazy no look jump jump passes to Willie, like cutting down the lane, and and those those are always sure. those always infuriate me. I mean, I, I I don't know. Like, I think we played really well, but that was just something that I noticed. And then also the the Bay thing. Hopefully that happens. Probably won't. But thank you for having me up. Of course. No, thanks for joining as always. Um, let's see here. Yeah, as as Matt is noting in the chat, come to the ball. Basically, I think part of the reason those turnovers happen in traps is because NBA teams never, ever, 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 ever practice working against a full court press. They might have done it. They know how to do it. Instinctually, they should know better. But this is just not something that, that teams would ever think to work on. So you have these like elementary mistakes that probably like high school and middle school basketball coaches are screaming at the TV, come to the ball. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. All right, coming up next, we have Jared. Hey, Jared, what's going on? Got to hit the unmute. There yeah, we go. Gotta, sorry, you, you cut no out. You said my name. Um, yeah, yeah, I need to be so better I, about that. The, um, the Mavs better start practicing. Um, what to do when when Luca gets doubled? Because if they play the Clippers in the first round, they're going to get Luca's going to get harassed every yep. second he's on the court. So if they don't sort that stuff out, it's going to be a very long first round. Well, might be a very short first round. 
Um, long for Luca, might be short for the Mavs. Um, other thing I was going to say is with with Josh Green, yeah, it's, it's, it's it was an exciting game, um, especially for Australian viewers. Um, but yeah, like like a lot of people have been saying, you've got to temper the expectations a bit. Um, there's no way Rick's going to make a major change to the um, rotation this late in the season. Right. Um, I actually think he will make a change after the first or second game in the first round if they're starting games like they have recently. I think Josh uh, Richardson might actually get benched. Yeah. Um, but maybe for Redick as opposed to Green. Because um, their starts have been pretty disgraceful in some of these games. And... Um, well, it's just maybe I don't know if it's just an energy thing. They're come playing against teams that they're just ex- expecting to beat. It's lo- late in the season, which has been a really weird season, I guess. So maybe yeah. Once the playoffs start, they'll have the energy and the the hype to actually get their crap together. But um, mm-hmm. we'll have to wait and see on that. Um, but with Green, I don't know if you noticed with most of the other Australian players that are coming to the league, like Dallavi Dover and. Simmons and Ingles, they're all um, that high-energy hustle um, sort of player. Um, Simmons is probably the best example of defense-wise. Um, and then um, Ingles, like he does the, the absolute best that he can with his um, athletic potential, I guess. You right. Um, <laughs> really skilled Green's, player. But not yeah. exactly like a fast twitch muscle guy. No, but he, he's just got the. Um, he played a lot of years over in in Europe, um, in the Spanish league. So he just developed the um, uh, the abilities and the um, the knowledge to know what he, what what he can do to make most of his his skills. Um, whereas Green, I guess, is is more similar to to Simmons in terms of athletic ability. So. I actually think that this off-season, if he does develop a, a shot to some degree, even if it's low 30%, um, that's going to be a major boost to the Mavs next year because everyone seems excited to bring in, say, best-case scenario, bring in like Collins. Mm-hmm. But that, that's going to cost you Richardson and, and Hardaway. Something. So, it's gonna do, yeah, it's going to be – it's challenging. Like we're all yeah. talking about it, but it's not it's not an easy thing to have happen. So if they if they do end up getting a max or near max player, then you're gonna need Green, Terry, those sort of guys to actually make a step up to some degree. Right. Just to give give an option. I'm not saying they're gonna start or anything, but just to add the extra rotation player for basically for free in the off season. So. Yeah. No, he's he's gonna be very important to things moving forward. Our uh Lauren Gunn actually wrote a piece in the, on that earlier this week, just about that long term, and it's it's nice to see it. You know, it's nice to see her her kind of prediction paying off um, this week because it's it's been kind of hanging out. I mean, I've just I've been a little skeptical, and then you know, Josh McSwag in the chat teased me about it for a while, but it's just you know, it rarely do you see. I, I don't know if I've ever seen the Mavericks do this with any younger player where it's you know six or seven games for the end of the season. And that now is when the rookie gets meaningful minutes in a game that really matters. So. 
Yeah, I mean, he did he did play in the when everyone was out with COVID. And yeah, but like I, I even then, he was like, not being put in the position to succeed. He was no, being, and, you know, like he, the the Bulls game where he played 32 minutes was without Luca. Like, and if you're playing a game without Luca, all love to Jalen Brunson, but Jalen Brunson looks for Jalen Brunson more than anything yeah. else. It's not like Green was getting, you know, fed shots while cutting. And like other people have said, like because of his shooting, he has to be the um, the non the one non shooter on the court. So you need Porzingis or Maxi at the center to give that right. spacing. Um, but do you actually know what's happening with summer league this year? Nothing official, but I am pretty sure it's going to happen probably the second week in August. Uh, I don't know if it'll be condensed or anything like that, but I am pretty sure they will do something. Um, now, how that conflicts with the Olympics is not something I have heard because the Olympics, you know, the, the a lot of Americans kind of eye roll at this at this point, but the Olympics is extremely important to to non to non-American players. Uh, I, I actually asked Mark Stein about this earlier in the week. And he said like guys like Rigo bear and some of these players are, they just get it's, you know, it's not quite, it, it depends on what's happening with international basketball and the world championships and things like that. But these guys want to play for their country. And then green is on the scent, the, the men's senior national team in Australia. Right. Yeah. He's in the, he's in the squad. I think it's like a squad of 30. Um, right. So yeah, he, he like, just, he has a chance come... to make that team. Yeah, it just comes down to which other players I want to go to. I mean, they all want to go, I guess, to some degree, unless they've got issues with the um, COVID stuff. COVID, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then whatever other injuries. And whether um, somebody like Ben Simmons or Ingles might be in the NBA finals. So they might not even better go to the Olympics. Right. If it's because of the timing. But yeah, Josh. Right. It's going to be, it's going to be very tight. I know for a fact yeah. they're trying to get the finals done. That's why they push so hard the second half of the year is because they want these guys to be available for the Olympics. Yeah, so Josh might be like the the young guy they take along to give him experience, right? Kind of thing. But yeah, right. They've got another guy coming through called uh, Josh Giddy. Um, is this that that six eight point guard guy? Yeah, he plays for my local team here in. Um, oh, does he Australia. really? He's good. Um, I'm watching clips. He's going to be fun. Yeah, he's got a similar issue in that um he can't really shoot yet. Um so he's he's kind of got that um I guess you'd call him a bit like Lonzo when he came out of um oh, where, okay. where he's quite versatile, awesome passer, rebounder, but yeah, you don't you can't rely on his, his shooting. It's, it's improved a lot from the start of the year. But that's still from not from the NBA range. Um yep. so the international range. So He's projected to go anywhere from six to like twenty because of the yep. um, the draft is pretty weird this year with the top five guys and then everyone else for the next fifteen spots. Is a lot of talent. Random. I'm pissed we don't have a pick because there's a lot of guys that I would just love to insert in this lineup, even though yeah. we know Rick wouldn't play them. <laughs> I mean, Giddy would be um actually would probably play pretty well next to Luca, kind of like a Jangles sort of utility. Mm-hmm. Um, add that extra passer. Um, right. But the, yeah, but obviously, unless they make a trade or something, that's not really going to happen. But, but yeah, well, thank you for hanging out, Jared. What else we got? Anything on? I'll let somebody else come up. I'm All right, go to a meeting well, anyway. I'm at, at work. Yep. <laughs> Have a good rest of the day. Appreciate you. See ya. All right. Yeah. How cool is it that he can come in from across the world to talk to us live? All right. Coming up next, we have Dion. What's happening?
Dan, Hello? are you there? How are you, yep. how you doing? Can you hear me? Yep. How are you doing? I I just wanted to ask you about uh about Tim Hardaway Jr. and um if you think he's he's uh in the conversation for six men of the year. Fun question. Uh Zach Lowe talked about this today with who was it? Kurt, uh the near uh, was it no, um I know Beck. I was Howard, yeah, Howard Beck. And Howard, yeah. He said that he sort of thinks that that Brunson and Hardaway will each get some votes. Um, I don't think like I don't. Hmm, I guess a couple more wild ass performances like the last several games is going to have to make a statement at least for his overall stats. But he's been doing these things as a starter, uh, so True, it's, it, yeah. I, I do I do think he gets some votes more than anything else. And and Josh Bow and I talked about this. I think this this is these these games have been a, a reminder of why he is just so valuable. And and a lot of Mavs fans kind of want to move on from him, and I understand why. But the grass is not always greener. Um, and and Hardaway is dope. I just I, I love the role that he settled in with for the Mavs. Yeah, I completely agree. And yeah, a lot of his best games have come in the starting lineup, but. Um, I do think I think probably one of the guys from the Jazz, either uh, Ingles or Clarkson, will probably get the award. But I think I might have him third. I haven't really like done the deep dive, but I definitely think he'll end up on ballots. Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, thanks for joining us. You got anything else? Uh, no, that's all I wanted to ask you. Thanks for having me. Of course. All right, coming up next, Blake. I'm not seeing Blake in forever. Blake, what's going on? Blake, you there? Can you hear me? Yep, you sound great. Hey, awesome. Sorry, I forgot I requested to speak, honestly. (laughs) No, no problem. Um, Yeah, uh, just uh, always a good uh, good night anytime we can blast Miami. Uh, Mm. But, yeah, not to – rehash too much what everyone's been saying but it's just awesome to see josh green get some burn and have a have such a good game i honestly i he might be the second smartest player on our team behind luca with some of the some of the plays he makes it's it's obvious the the basketball iq is there it it just needs i i guess more time to develop but i mean he's he made some really awesome plays where it's just like I have no idea how we saw that pass or um there's a play to, uh, hustle play made trying to save the ball in bounds I don't know if we ended up with it or not but just you know the wherewithal to to throw it off of the Miami play just different stuff is, is really really neat to see absolutely I the energy stuff you just you know Dwight Powell gets a lot of grief because the man gets hit in the face every you know five to six minutes but before <laughs> green it seems like like he he was the only, Dwight was the only other guy like doing that sort of stuff. Like no no other Mav was really like like just laying it all out there, and it's it's just nice to have another guy do it. Yeah yeah absolutely, and I think sort of to touch on something you said earlier, uh, just about the athleticism that he brings, you know, and 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 it kills me too the just the the pace the slow pace we play at and, and this the what seems like uh lethargy sometimes and like like just uh you know apathy like the team doesn't care i think might actually just be that we're our starting five is so unathletic at least when they're healthy with uh kp and uh 
you know, he, he's just lost athleticism, I guess, from injuries. And mm-hmm. uh, Max, Maxie and, and Jay Rich since, you know, COVID just haven't looked the same. And obviously Luca likes to play at a slow pace anyway. And right. uh, I, I don't know. I think, I think some athleticism being injected could, could, really, uh, could really help us. It's wild watching the guy jump like that because I was trying to explain this on Twitter because so many guys in the NBA are like one-footed leapers, and mm-hmm. he's like the he's like Russell Westbrook is like this. Where when Russell Westbrook jumps, it's like he's he's on a tra- his own personal trampoline where he presses <laughs> down and he's getting ready to squat, and then all of a sudden he's like three feet above the rim, and it's really fun to watch that like dudes do that. Dwight Powell's like was like this, and it, he was really like this pre Achilles, um, where the with having mm-hmm. those sorts of leaps, and it's just it's it's surprising because you know, the, one of the things that separates some of the very, very best players like Derek Jones jr. Up in Portland is like this it is these guys have played against hyper athletic guys their whole life. But then you're like seeing the 1% of the 1%. And when, you know, the, the one layup that, that green, cause green was only one of two from the field and the layup that he made, it wasn't even like a layup. It was like a, it was like a teardrop where he was outside the box and was just so damn high up that he just managed to drop it in. It's fun. Yeah, to it was watch like a George Gervin finger roll, <laughs> almost. It's, well, it's yeah. what Josh Bow has was like super pissed. The Mavs weren't able to get Aaron Gordon because he wants to see Luca paired with like a super athlete. Like uh, who's the guy with Charlotte? The other Bridges, uh, Miles Bridges. Oh, he wants to see yeah, like, yeah. Luca paired with a dude like that and just like someone who can like rain fire on the rim. So yeah, yeah. I mean, that might be what unlocks the next level of Luca, kind of like when Nash went to Phoenix and was just surrounded by, you know, these athletic freaks like Amari and uh, Sean Marion and, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, et, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it could be what, what really opens up uh, that next, next level for Luca, but I guess we'll see. Absolutely. Well, thanks for hanging out. You got anything else? No, I think that's it. Uh, good win and go Mavs. Thanks for having me up. Of course. Sorry, I forgot to uh, to bring you on earlier. It's uh, I tend to go through people in order, and I need to get better um, in my hosting duties about bringing people on and letting them know. So coming up next, we're going to have Doug. Uh, you guys have heard Doug plenty of times. Doug is great. Uh, Doug, how are you tonight? Doing great. How are you? We're doing well. We're, it's a little after midnight, so we went longer than I wanted to go. But I always feel like you, know, you got to milk, got to milk these happy times. Cause like that Kings game, we were all so lethargic. This poor Kings fan joined. He was trying to be friendly and everyone wanted none of his shit. Uh, it was great. Well, it's definitely something that, uh, you know, I think that there's going to be several good, good, uh, good nights ahead still heading towards the playoffs. And, uh, so I think, you know, that's my hope is that, uh, the Mavs can just, build some momentum in, in these games that are still ahead. I think there's seven left on the schedule. And uh, I, it, if it's okay, I'd like to circle back to uh, just, you know, we were talking earlier, you guys were talking earlier about uh, when Luca gets doubled high, uh, out, out by half court, actually. I'm not exactly sure what triggers that, if that's uh, when uh, either uh, Willie Cauley-Stein or Powell come to the high post because it seems like that they're the ones that are left there at the free throw line. And then that's a moment of terror for me to see them because then they have to make decisions. Uh, they have to do something with the ball. In fact, one of the best things that might be, you know, if somebody could get it to through their head is just hold on to it just for one count, because it seems like they're immediately trying to get, get the ball out of their hand 
And that's when the just absolute chaos ensues. And so I don't know if, if there's a way to uh, either uh, look to see as far as that of, of where that is, uh, what triggers that, because it seems like that's the time when it's it's not necessarily Luca making a turnover. It's either Powell or Willie Cauley-Stein at the free throw line, really with not even anybody on them and them just trying to get rid of the ball so quickly. It's tough because do they're sending they're sending guy a double at Luca. They're varying when it happens. They meaning opposing teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, you saw a couple of times against Miami tonight. The double happened as Luca had already known it was coming, but he was like inside the three point line, and there was another dude chasing him, and it just kind of tends to throw defenses into chaos. I can't help but think, and I have nothing to to back this up, but. As a Kansas City Chiefs fan, I watched Andy Reid for most of the 2021 season or 2020-21 season. Just sort of, you know, what I, Bill Simmons, we're an hour into the podcast. No one will forgive this. He would refer to it as like the Milton Burrell thing, like the just the tip type aspect where he would only show enough to make it work. And and that's kind of what I think Carlisle tries to do. And, and no one, I, I can't prove it. But the, the simplest way to break that sort of thing is do a guard-guard screen and roll. Like, put put everybody else, like, like send Dwight Powell into the basket, have the other two guys in the corners, and have Jalen Brunson set the high screen, and then you pass to him. And then it becomes a four-on-three that way. But I, I just – I don't think they want to do that sort of stuff yet because they don't want to have tape on it. Uh, because then the more the more tape there is, the more the other teams can counter. And Carl is that paranoid. Let's make no mistake about that. Like, the man is a pain in the butt about turning in uh, injury report stuff, about turning in lineups. He absolutely is is concerned about these sorts of things. Well, then, and, and you 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 hit exactly one of the people that I thought if you could get them to be the the guy that, who is getting the ball at the top of the circle or at the free throw line is the Jalen Brunson. That would be perfect because he, I mean, he's not necessarily going to uh, pass it on to somebody else. He's going to just look for his own shot, but that's okay. That's so much better than, like I said, Powell or Willie Cauley-Stein, and they're just going crazy at that point. And, and obviously, we're not going to see a whole lot of Nico Melli in meaningful minutes, but he's another guy that I think makes good decisions and doesn't just throw the ball, just kind of, it doesn't just go crazy at that point. But again, he's not going to see meaningful minutes, and so it's not going to be him. But I do like the, the idea of Brunson being kind of that safety valve because he'll turn in, he'll, he'll get his own shot. He'll do something good with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of options. I think that they're saving some of the Luca, at least I'm hoping, I hope they, they, they use Luca as the screener more and more Mm. because Luca in a, in a short roll situation is horrifying. There's, there's no stopping it. And it's just like putting KD or LeBron and, and, but guys just don't want to do it. Like for some reason, I don't know why, like they'd, like Luca would get fouled every single time if he was a short roll man. It drives me nuts. Well, I think that the 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 fact is that the guy who's setting that pick takes some physical punishment that most guys just don't want to do, and so that's probably why it's not more of that. Well, there's a whole we could do. You know, maybe that's an idea for an off season series of can the Mavericks set any screens? A power <laughs> ranking because like none of them can except for Dwight Powell. And he, you know, like, my wife keeps remarking about how, like, banged up he looks. And I'm like, the man just takes abuse. No one else except for him and Boban set any sort of screens. 
Well, I, I do think that, uh, you know, the Mavs are going to see a steady diet of that high double team. And so they need to have something better than having either Powell or Willie Cauley-Stein being the one who receives the ball because uh, there's so much more that can be done or going the other direction. There's so much uh, bad that can happen if those are the guys that are going to be that safety valve. That's right. I agree. Uh, it's daunting to think about. Well, Doug, do you got anything else? No, that's it. Thanks for having me out. Of course. Appreciate you coming up. All right. Taking us home is going to be our new Mavs Moneyball newest staffer, Xavier. Xavier, how are we? I'm, I'm a lot better than the last You sound time, better. I'm not gonna lie. You sound yeah, more joyful. I listen back to myself on a podcast, and I just want to flick myself between the eyes and tell me to, to snap out of it. But I am here to poo-poo on Josh Green, unfortunately. <laughs> Look, the guy stinks, and that's okay, right? He's 19. We didn't have a training camp. We haven't had any practices. Look, man, the guy's, you know, he's green, no pun intended. And look, the, look, we were under 500, and we were trying to dig ourselves out of a hole. And even now, every game matters. This isn't the time to, to let Green go out there and work through his mistakes. You know what I'm saying? And look, that, that's what comes with being on a vet, on a veteran team that's ready to win now, which that's what, that's what we are, right? We look at Bay and we look at these other guys and they're playing now, but that's because their team either stinks or they don't have the depth necessary, um, to kind of bring their rookies along slowly. Cause ideally you want to bring them along slowly. And look, just with the way this team has been playing, we haven't had consistent enough shooters, and we just can't afford to have Green out there alongside another non-shooter because it just clogs up the paint for Luca. Um, so look, this isn't the year for him. We sh- we I don't think he should play a single minute in the playoffs because remember when they were doubling Luca and they were forcing Dorian Finney-Smith to shoot every shot. Now yep. I mean, they did that with Josh Green. He might be the first player to shatter a backboard from a jump shot. I want no parts of that. So, look, Green, he'll get a training cap on his belt this offseason. And, you know, he can be a part of the rotation because, unfortunately, and it's a preview of my next article on Mavs Moneyball, but I think Tim Hardaway Jr., this is his last season with us. So I think that's going to open up a spot in the rotation. And I think we'll bring along Green next year. But this season, I I just I want today it helped, right? The Heat are tired, the injury depleted. So yes, yeah. he was great against the tired legs. And look, in the you're not gonna see the type of defenses in the regular season that teams are gonna play in the playoffs. Why? Because they require a lot of energy and coaches are smart enough to know that if you ask your team to do something that requires a lot of energy at this point in the season, you're gonna see a lot of mental mistakes. So they're gonna simplify the defense and that's why Green can come in and be a playmaker because he's not facing playoff caliber defenses and playoff caliber defenders. So he's gonna look better in the regular season than he would come playoff time. So look, I'm it gives me hope for next year and moving forward, but I yeah, I don't want to see sure. any gosh be minutes in the playoffs, man. It's gonna look ugly. I don't but- think I don't think we will either, but it's nice that, that he can steal some minutes right now. Because if you look at the schedule, these guys are just playing I mean, let me pull up the schedule here. So they play again on Thursday, they play Saturday, no, they play Thursday, Friday, then they play Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. I mean, they just play they're they're playing three out of every four nights. And so for him to be able to steal those minutes tonight was really valuable because not only did they pick up the win, they, they hang with the Lakers or, uh, the Lakers who somehow beat, um, the way they beat the, the Nuggets last night pissed me off because they just fouled Jokic half to death. Um, but it just gives, gives the Mavs a little bit of cushion. 
I think that, you know, Luca not playing a lot of minutes was delightful and, and really Richardson and, you know, just like Finney Smith finally play, you know, Finney Smith's minutes are often wild if you check it game to game. So just get him a little bit of rest was great. So they could, you know, theoretically, if, if depending on what happens with Brooklyn, because half that team's hurt, you know, they could really be heading into that final stretch run that you've been talking about for a couple of days, you know, uh, with a really nice win streak. I mean, who knows? It's, it's, I, I feel good about these minutes just because it was a bit of a gift. Yeah, no, I look, I'll, I'll take anything that leads to a win. I'm, we're, look, we're calling to the playoff line. So I just want to get there and be healthy. And, you know, if the ball boy can hit a corner three, fuck it, throw him in there. Just get us a win somehow. But, um, but that's, I was like, you want to go to bed, but, um, that's all I had to say. Thanks for hanging out, Xavier. You've been, you've been waiting the whole full hour. Um, okay. So we're going to cut this off now. Uh, and I'm going to post this. Appreciate everybody hanging out. Tell your friends to join us. We have a remarkably weird good time. Uh, come to MadisonMoneyBall.com. I don't know what we have tomorrow. I'll be posting this in the podcast feed probably tomorrow afternoon for everybody's drive-by home. Uh, because otherwise I'm, I'm, I can tell how long people listen to these things. And like anything, any podcast of mine, like that we do on Madison Moneyball that goes over an hour, you just see like a plummet around the 45 minute mark. <laughs> and so slapping this and our normal podcast together makes like an hour, 45 minute podcast. So. <laughs> You know, who wants to listen to that? Apparently enough people, though. All right, this has been Kirk Henderson, and we appreciate you from uh, Mavs Moneyball Group Therapy. We will talk to you guys in uh, Thursday night. Everybody have a